You're listening to Around Comics, episode 126. Chicago, this is Around Comics, the comic book roundtable, where twice a week you'll hear a revolving panel of guests discussing comic books and graphic novels. I'm Christopher Neesman, and the rest of the roundtable today is Mr. Brian Salazar. Hello. Mr. Scotty Young. Hello. Tom Caters. Hola. And Mike Norton. Hi. This episode <laughs> of Around Comics is sponsored by Borders. Pillar. Sink your teeth into the story that introduced the world to Anita Blake, Vampire Hunter. Get your copy of Guilty Pleasures by Laurel K. Hamilton <coughs> at your local Borders. Borders is your home for the latest fantasy novels. Find a store near you at borderstores.com. You see, that was the number one trade. Yeah. Was it? Number one it's not surprising. Trade. It's because we were pimping it. I like the, mystic- <laughs> I like the mysticism. Mysticism? I yeah. like vampires. vampires. <laughs> I like biting shit. Well, I don't know if you can find vampires here, but you can find plenty of comic books. And here is around. Quite the segue. <laughs> yeah. Horrible segues you, again. You're like a gymnast of, of segues. Yeah. You stuck that landing. <laughs> and uh, that place is Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles. And Around Comics is recorded every Friday at 7 o'clock here. And it's located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, please drop by. We would love to meet you. And ignore you. <laughs> <laughs> this is our first uh, episode after Wizard World Chicago, and we'd like to thank everyone that came out to the show and introduced to themselves. Uh, we had a great weekend. It was a it was a good time had by all. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember anyone. It, I won't it, remember it, you uh, ever again. I remember Chris pouring a beer on his head or something. You've already told that story. Thank you. Can't Ryan. tell it enough though. I know it's a good story. <laughs> Well, the Monday after a convention is usually a day of recovery, travel, and emailing thank yous to all the people that you talk to. Uh, this year, however, was a little different. Uh, last Monday, the comics world learned that we had lost one of our best and brightest creators. Mike Waringo was only 44 years old, and he died of a heart attack on Sunday. Mike, or Ringo, to those that knew him, was regarded as one of the nicest and most respective artists in comics. Today, instead of our usual news and reviews episodes, we're going to take the opportunity to spotlight the life and career of Mike Waringo. Um, guys, it, uh, it was definitely uh, a shock to hear this, and uh, and and was definitely a, a cold splash of water in everyone's face on Monday. And um, we have two two artists here that. Um, that knew Mike on a, on a personal as well as professional level, and they're going to give some of their remembrances and and thoughts on on the life and and work of of Ringo. So, um, Scotty, I, I guess we should probably just start with you, and uh, and just kind of take a look back on on his amazing but uh, all too short career. Yeah, I mean, uh, first, just 
finding out the news on on Monday, uh, which I, I, I think I got up maybe eight o'clock. So it was pretty early. Yeah, I mean it was eight o'clock when I got up. I had you know checked the sites, whatever, did my morning computer stuff, and got an email from Mike Norton about eight thirty somewhere around there, and I thought, what is? And he said, uh, don't know if you've seen this yet. So I'm thinking, well, maybe a new computer thing, you know, right. the iPhone 2 or something crazy like that, because I'm like 8.30 in the morning. And it was one of those instances, I know a lot of, uh, when I clicked the link and went to Newsarama, uh, I know a lot of times in, in, in our lives we, we use the phrase, I couldn't believe it, right? I can't, I just, I saw this thing, I couldn't believe it. Uh, but it was genuinely the first time in, in my life that I couldn't, right? <laughs> you're reading it, you're seeing it, and there, there was not like cords were not connecting. Mm-hmm. Power cords weren't inside, and it was just going. No, I was trying to think of silly shit like this is a this, this, is, like, this is a technical is graphic something? design hoax being pull, right. pulled on me or something. Just a weird situation, but uh, fine. You know, it, I don't think it sunk in till till later. Mike being uh, a, a a friend of mine, you know. I, a professional friend, but also just a, a friend on a personal level, uh, was didn't really sink in until later in the day. I, I think I might have actually been scrolling through my phone to call to call you, Sal, and scanned past his number, you know, Ringo in my in my phone, and wow, you know what I mean? Like wow. there it was. It, it was for real at that point for some reason. And but I mean, the guy was he was. Uh, I mean, everybody says every, you know anybody who passes they are the nicest guy, right? Uh, and and nobody ever has obviously anything bad to say about anybody and i re- i mean i can't think of anything that i really could say bad about mike i mean mike was human just like any of us he had things that frustrated him uh especially ab- about comics he loved drawing and creating so much that sometimes the direction that comics went frustrated him a tad bit but um i think in this past week reading and hearing some of the things that people have People that knew him have come out and said, I mean, definitely for me, he played that role of uh, the older veteran in the industry that really uh, gave encouragement to the guys coming in. Uh, I wasn't in the industry, I was only in maybe a year or two when I got my first phone call from him. Uh, I had emailed him. I think at some point, uh, one of my friends had said, "Oh, Mike was talking about your stuff." I was, I was talking about a convention. He mentioned you, and I was, "Oh, that's so neat!" You know, <laughs> so I just went to his site and, and I checked out his blog. He's been posting, you know, sketches on his blog for a long time, and so I just emailed him basically a fan letter and said, "You know, you opened the door for guys like me with your style of art and blah blah." And at the time, I was pretty new in the industry, so I always had my phone number attached to emails that I sent out to... Please call me. Yeah, I, you know, because in my mind, yeah. I always... Because I was so young in the industry, I always hoped that I... I was looking for work all the time, right? Yeah. So my phone number was there in case... And um, that same day that I sent that email, I didn't get an email reply, but uh, my I got a phone call from him. And I was like, oh my God, somebody... Somebody that's been around in the industry, like when I was in high school, is is calling me, and not just calling, but really genuinely seems to enjoy what I'm doing, mm-hmm. um, and really encouraging about it. And mm. and over the years, I didn't really think about this till this last week, but it 
I almost can look back and, and map it out to almost every issue of mine for almost the last four, maybe five years since I was working on my maybe Venom or even the Human Torch, I think. Almost any issue that came out on stands, within a week or two, Mike would call. Uh, just to say he picked up the issue and he enjoyed it. And then, you know, that would go off into whatever. And uh, just the art stuff or, what you know, whatever right. friends end up talking about uh, on the phone. But, you know, sometimes it'd be hours. And you're just, you find yourself, of course, we thought we were really deep. You know, like, <laughs> we knew how to fix it all. Yeah. Right? You know, I got all the back. answers. Yeah. We can sell a million copies yeah. again if they right. just follow what we think. <laughs> right. And, um, but the guy really, truly... And it seems that I'm hearing these stories, the same kind of experience that I've had with them. I'm starting to hear these stories this past week from uh, people that I don't, I don't personally know, but seem to have had the same experience with him. It really, truly seems that he genuinely liked younger, uh, the younger up-and-comers, and he was always there to 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 reach out and, and encourage them, encourage them, and yeah. tell them they're doing something right, um, because. What people don't sometimes realize because of the size of our industry is some of the old... And I'm not going to say... I, I, I don't want to generalize, but I mean, I've come into situations where some guys that have been around for a while are not that warm to... taking their job yeah, as well. They look the up, at it, yeah. To up, some of the up-and-comers, and it almost becomes a us-and-them type of situation, which I never look at it like that, and I've always felt it odd, but this was the first person that I met that I mean, truly was an icon to this industry that you, and not only welcomed you, but wanted you to come in because he wanted more people to bring some fun and, and new flavor in, into the comic book world. So, I mean, for me, I mean, he was he was such a, you know, on a work side of things that he played a really strong role in always being encouraging in, in that way. But, um, I mean, just like I said, I mean, obviously you can... Anybody who's known him is going to say he, he really well, was, was a great guy. It, it's interesting to kind of see what you know people have said, and then like you called me that morning, and you were the one who told me uh, that it happened. I was I was at home, and uh, and it was just sort of like I, I never knew him, I never met him, I, I had never talked to him, uh, but we had talked about you know mm-hmm. maybe getting him on the show right. and everything, and 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 it was just like this bizarre. Uh, unreal or surreal experience of of going. It can't. That can't be. You know. Right. Well, what it, when I was at Heroes Con and you guys called me while recording the show. Yeah. After we stopped recording, uh, I said, "Is there anybody here you want a sketch from?" And I said, "And you go, get, Ringo. get me one from Ringo." And I totally brought it up to him, and he was so completely busy. But I mean, he was. A, I mean, obviously, he's been on Fanboy Radio a million times. Uh, John's had him on Word Balloon. Uh, and I mentioned, hey, hey, we're gonna, uh, you know, I've been doing this podcast with some guys here in Chicago. You want to be on? Oh, of course, you know, of course, right, he, sure. because he loves talking. And but, yeah, it's uh, it w- it was just an amazing. I mean, a, a very b- bizarre experience to go through, sort of. And knowing you and knowing your friendship with him, I mean, that really added to it. Just right. knowing, I'm sure, how it affected you. And um, but you know over the last week just hearing from people and people that knew him is one thing but i mean he really did have an effect on a lot of fans right. and maybe people that didn't even really almost follow his work so much but knew of him everybody knew of him everyone well, I think um mike the other night at drawing night we our drawing night basically 
Uh, we sat around and drew pictures inspired by the characters that he drew. We brought and they kind of told stories, you know, just mm-hmm. the same thing that you know I think everybody's been doing all week. And I think Mike brought up a really good. You know, of course, I'll let him share it, but he brought up re- something about while maybe not being uh, super close with the guy on a personal level, what his art meant as opposed to what people don't realize how what an artist that we look up to. Uh, well, yeah, I mean. My point was, I mean, there are all these people that have... Uh, it's kind of like, you know, somebody like this passes away and you're just... Uh, and, and some people get confused. just like, why am I so upset about this? Mm-hmm. And it's the same reason why somebody like a, a musician like Kurt Cobain or somebody is like, I never met that guy. I don't know right. anything about him. But you, you're so intimately familiar with the artwork that they've left behind that you been studying almost I know personally for me on a daily basis that I'm I'm actually closer to some of this man's work than I am my own family you know, mm-hmm. because I'm I'm with this artwork every day I'm trying to learn from it every day I talk to my mom maybe once a week right you know right that kind of thing it's just like you when somebody is that close to you in a way it's just like you can't help but be affected, even if you never knew anything about the person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ha- I was lucky to actually meet the guy, to actually talk to the guy, to actually you know work on stuff with the guy. It's uh, it's totally different. And I I was talking to Jamar Nicholas, who does a, a web comic, and he knew uh, Mike very well. He's he's going actually to the memorial service this weekend, and he he was uh, I was telling him, is like I don't know how I could do it if I was like you guys and actually knew him as a friend I'd probably be all broke down right now because you know I'm kind of glad I had that distance after a while mm-hmm. I used to tell Scotty all the time he's like <laughs> yeah I talked to Ringo today I was like god I wish I could talk to Ringo <laughs> so, so you, seriously <coughs> the guy that got me back into drawing comics in the 90s I mean I didn't read comics in the 90s I I, I went all through high school thinking, yeah, I'm going to do comics. Then I got into a band, and I went to college, and I was just going to do that. And and I I went to a comic book store, and I saw his Flash, and I was just like, oh, they you can draw them like this? I thought you had to have like a thousand lines on a page, right. and everybody had to be grimacing and stuff like that. And so I took that home, and I started studying. And I, and I mean, whenever an editor or somebody, and it's happened a lot, you know, will say, yeah, your your Marvel Adventures. That reminds me of Ringo, and I'm just like, well, gee, why don't you just, you know, call me the greatest person in the universe? Right. <laughs> that's pretty much what you just did. I right. Mean, it puts you on cloud nine. Yeah. When I mean, there's, I don't think my stuff's anywhere near that. But it's nice to be put in the same ballpark. You know, yeah. the same city as him. Right. Well, I think I think his art got caught as kind of, you know, an art out of time, and, you know, you were just saying in in the 90s, it was, you know, how, you know, super detailed, super hyper-realistic you could be, and he had, you know, an economy of wine and had, you know, um, a fun, energetic style to his art. It had energy, and and like Scotty said, if he hadn't done it, then there wouldn't be, there wouldn't be Umberto, there wouldn't be, there wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be you. There wouldn't be the way that uh, Chris uh, Bachala draws. No. Uh, none of that yeah. stuff would be there because well, he was doing it and at a time and when he did you weren't on, supposed yeah. to do and it. And he did it on flagship titles. He did. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. not like on Flash and Superman. And Superman and, 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 and Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. And, you know, these Fantastic. are not yeah. Yeah. 
These well, are not, uh, you know, usually, get, you know, you get shoved off when you're the oddball. You get shoved off on the oddball kind titles, of extras, right, right, you know, right, and, yeah. and he came in and wrecked shop. Well, as like, as far as uh, when I first read it, I had, I had a very odd reaction because... I remember very specifically when he was doing um, when he was doing the Flash when I was you know, I must have been in high school at the time very early very, high yeah. school for us yeah I mean I, and I, I had like a very odd reaction because at that same time uh, I was really good friends with this other guy who sometimes I talked about comic books with mm-hmm. and sort of in like a weird concurrence is that. Um, he, uh, that same friend of mine that I sort of weirdly linked to that also died like at a very young age and when I read the thing about him dying all like those same I was like at work and not necessarily because I knew Mike Ringo at all but all of a sudden I remembered all those feelings of that other guy that like I remember talking about that stuff with you know about like how awesome those flash issues were so it was like a weird Concurrence of like having things all sort of like happen right. at that. Yeah. And I had a very odd, yeah, I had like, yeah, yeah, and I was like, it goes to show you what one yeah. man's art or one's man's yeah. contribution to something that you hold dear to you, uh, even on it, like you said, not on a super level. Maybe you didn't, maybe even if you're a person who didn't follow his stuff mm-hmm. after that or whatever, there's something about yeah. that moment well, that. If it can stir up memories of another friend who passed away, you don't realize until later how much it really meant to yeah. you. You know, until well, I, w- I was trying to think of it. I mean, like Mike said, is like I, I was kind of confused this week. It's like, well, why? Because it really seemed to affect me in yeah. a strange way. Like, you know, I uh, somebody's missing. I mean, that's yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I, you know, I, uh, re- you know, earlier this year I had lost my mother, right. and you know, obviously that's you know. But then it was like, okay, well, I don't. I've never met this man. I never talked to him once. But uh, there was something about it that, for whatever reason. But going back, you were talking about his uh, blog. He he had mm-hmm. blogged for a long time before a lot of guys oh, sure. you know, really ever did. And and that was a place that I went to a lot. I went to his blog Three, a four lot. days a week. Right. Uh, yeah. He updated with a piece. Not only did he put the art up, but we mentioned earlier. He just didn't say, here's my drawing and this is how I drew it. He put up a drawing and he would write four, five, six paragraphs about how he was feeling. Maybe it didn't have anything to do with the drawing. And he would say, this is my therapy. This is my daily therapy. Uh, And he really got personal. I think think it's also, I think what it sort of shows is seeing people's reaction is how comic books has sort of a unique community where the fact that the people are sort of the stars aren't that far away from being mm. the fans. Right. And that's why it affects so much because you can meet these people, you can read their blogs, you can mm-hmm. understand because someone like him who's obviously a fan of the art form, you can identify with. You know, mm-hmm. like someone, like some movie star I might like dies, but, you know. Right. I don't You're know. So- that same, from that you know, person, that so, same yeah. feeling, because there's not that much of a difference, really, honestly, between right. the fan and the artist. And well, and, the, and Mike community. was a Mike was also an artist who would he would call me and say, "Hey, you should check out this message board. They do a weekly drawing thing, and, and you draw a photo." And uh, I've been going. Over, I mean, here's a guy who Is that the drawing board, the drawing board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was there. A lot. He was there all the time. And you're yeah. talking about a guy who was a superstar. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy has drawn every major character in comics and he didn't ever see himself like that but yeah would would be on a message board with guys that just learned how to draw a year ago right and not at all 
act as if they were any different. Mm-hmm. And and he I, wasn't big time in people. Right. Uh, and and I would never. I would. Uh, I, people who know me would know I'm not the kind of person who would say that just to say it and make it. I mean, he truly was that guy. Uh, actually, sometimes to a fault. Mike was so mod, or so humble that sometimes to a fault you actually wanted to try to remind him. You drew, dude. You this, hey, dude, people you like you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And You're that, pretty big. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were there were really times where he had convinced himself that comics had pat like he would he no longer fit anymore. Which uh, is crazy because he's he wasn't that old of a creator. No, I it, think was, it, it like I said, it came. I mean, there's to me in life there are negative people that that you can that have something, you know, that that's negative from a, a bad place, and then there's sometimes that Mike might have some negativity to him, but it always came from a place of almost loving something so much yeah. that it frustrated him that there, and in a way, comics had have at least mainstream comics have. Squeezed out some of the fun, a lot of the fun. Some of the yeah, that's what I say. A lot of the fun, and and you can almost li- any conversation that he. I I guarantee any one of his friends has had this conversation with him. Any interview you hear Mike on, no. any r- interview you read, he will bring it up that he just wants to do fun again. If you look no. at Mike's Telos, yeah. I mean, it really truly was. He was a forty-four year old man that did not mind or was not embarrassed to say, "I want to." write some books for younger people I want to draw some books for younger people Um, and obviously if anybody did follow his blog you can tell that this the love for for creating things did not come from the last I mean we're talking 10 8 years old you'd see his yeah his hand-drawn Crayola well, little comic books. I had, that he was you know, because he was so much into doing this sort of fun thing. I had a weird moment this week when uh, I was reading the books I picked up this week, and uh, one of the books I read was like Booster Gold, which was a great like fun comic book, that right. was like a high adventure comic book. And I, my first thought was like, oh, this is like a fun comic book, right. you know, in this time of like there's a character dying every week, and it immediately reminded me. Of Ringo, because right. it's like this is just a book making, sort of making fun of itself and yeah. making fun of superheroes, but also like a high adventure. Right. And I had a weird moment when I read that. I was like, oh, that's the type of book that right. you know fits into that well, he, ideology. He, he was really getting to a point as well. I mean, where I mean, there, any profession, anybody's job, you have an ideal of where you want to go and what you want to accomplish in it. And any of us that aren't feeling that we're going that path are going to feel some degree of frustration. To the point where, you know, like recently, and I don't know even know if this was is out there or you guys knew or whatever, but uh, I, he was working on the Spider-Man Fantastic Four, obviously. Yeah. And so we were just talking about what was up next for him, and, and he, he said, Scotty, you will never believe what what I'm, I'm supposed to be working on. And not in a million years would you guess, and, and he was <laughs> absolutely right, because it was the Punisher. Really? What? Punisher story. And wow. You know, again, we're talking about a guy who, and he just couldn't. It was hard for him to even fathom that they to even there. fathom that he, you know, because again, it's so far outside of of. And I think that we 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 have gotten to a point in, in this industry where you forget to try to fit people with what their strengths are, mm-hmm. and it sort of becomes an assembly line, right? And 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 that it, you know, it saddened him to a degree, and. All, the the thing that breaks my heart the most about hi, him passing is how much he talked about when I when I can just get back to the creator own stuff. That's that was 
the goal, yeah. right? Like, Telos was his, the high point yeah. of his life. The high point of his life. Uh, and he had other ideas. He had more ideas with Todd, which is best well, they friend were, Todd. Was, they announced that they were going to do more stuff. And yeah, well, the yeah. big... And, and I think that was, it was kind of the gear up for it. Yeah. They got the big gargantuan, you know, mm-hmm. big yeah. full-size hardcover edition coming out. And so it really, I mean... It's it's sad in a lot of ways and, and almost inspiring in some other ways and a kind of a reminder that here's a guy who's only 44 who talked about the future. Yeah. When I get the chance, I can't wait to get the chance to do this. Uh, but it was a situation where he spent the the you know the last couple of years thinking about when he'll be able to do it, and obviously now there's not a chance, which is, like I said, is the most heartbreaking part of it all. Well, I think to become almost esoteric about death, about, like, the idea of... Especially with, you know, when people say... And this struck me immediately when he died, where people are always like, oh, I wish I could have gone up and talked to someone. Right. Like, yeah. really, you should. Because, yes. like, if this is any proof of, like, the fact that you can't take anybody for granted. No. And, well, like, you need to... If you want to talk to someone right. about anything, if you're, like, an artist or a writer, yeah. and you want... Don't be afraid to right. ask and someone I, something. Yeah. I forwarded you guys the a fan, yeah. fan email that yeah. I received today. And it opened up by saying, um, I just wanted to, to email you to tell you that I'm a big fan of your work. Um, he had never emailed anyone He had never emailed he... a creator before, and he said, I'm doing this because of Mike Romingo's passing. Uh, yeah. He was an artist that I looked up to and loved and never emailed never, and yeah. never walked up to at a convention, and now I'll never get the chance. Mm-hmm. So... I'm doing it with you because I enjoy your work and yeah. think that, you know, well, but... Just like what I mean, you said, it reminds you. It reminds you. Oh my God, there. What, what is holding me back? You know, and 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 I felt that way as well. And on my blogs this week, thinking, I, there is no more bullshitting for me, right? Like but I think you had said it, and uh, on, on one of your posts in your, your blog, blog posts, uh, yeah. you know, is, it, there is no more someday. Someday yeah, is today. Is today. I mean, it has I mean, to be because you want to do a creator own project. Well, then I need to get off my fucking ass and, and just do it, do it. You right. know, and stop doing this. Because really, all I'll do is end up living the last. You know, we'll all live up the last parts of our lives. Who, whenever it comes, hoping and, and wanting. When really, we should just be doing. Yeah. You know, I'd rather go out doing, and then. Uh, but I think, like artistically, obviously, he he inspired guys like Mike. I think he inspired everybody. But at the same time, he played such a good role of of of. Uh, the encouragement and the build-up of, of... I wish I had it in he front of me. He was a steward somebody, of the medium. Somebody yeah. had actually sent us an email or posted on our forum, and I thought I had printed it out, but I, I didn't. I couldn't find it in my notes here. But uh, one of the guys on our forum had actually right. he, he put a post out. It said he, Mike Ruringo is the first guy in comics to ever make him feel like a peer. Right. And he was, you know, it was like uh, he at the time when he met him, he was doing like a webcomic or something, you know, an right. independent little thing. And and Mike treated him like you know an absolute equal, and it, it made and it's a not real that Mike Mike I don't want because I don't want people to think that Mike was this super I'm so virtuous patron I'm, saint yeah, of, I'm going to go yeah. treat everybody Mike didn't treat people because he thought it was a he he didn't treat people like they were peers because he thought that's what he should do Mike tr- treated people like they were peers because he truly believed them to be peers right uh, you don't find that often in, in, in I don't think any kind of form of entertainment industry where you get I mean I, 
I don't like to say comic books. I mean, the the level of quote unquote fame that comic book people get is very very small in the in the scheme of the the world. Sure. It's very concentrated right. within you know, but within fame. There are comic book. Some of us in comic book people, and I think we're all guilty of it at some point, we buy into our own hype mm-hmm. at some point or another and, and believe a little, like, whoa. And you got to remind yourself, huh, I draw funny books, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, when I walk down the street, some dude goes, get the fuck out of the road, <laughs> asshole. Like, not, I'm nobody. Get the fuck out of the road, <laughs> Scotty Young. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And Mike was not that guy. He, he There was something about him that never felt, well, I'm... I drew Superman, right? You know, but I'll I'll pretend I'm your peer. He, I mean, he was a genuine guy and thought mm. he was your peer, and had a uh, a very uncomfortable love for his cat. His <laughs> oh, pet. I'm not going to speak on that. Well, one of the things that you know why it was it was so unexpected, so out of the blue, and and I don't know if if uh, folks out there know that. I mean, he was a very healthy and health oriented oh. person. He was a six four. I mean, just solid as a rock. You know, two three hours vegetarian. a day at the gym. Vegetarian. I mean, this guy was was no joke. I mean, when you look at him, I would say, God damn! Like that's. I hope I look like that at forty, <laughs> right? Like, because just a diesel of a guy. But I think that also fits into the sort of the nature of the shock of what of how people felt too. Right. I think that. I mean, he wasn't someone who he's not. It's not like, uh, you know, some 80-year-old creator who passes right. away where people have kind of been seeing it coming from a while. You it's, know? Like, that, it's like when Alex Toth died. It's It, it was sad. It yeah. wasn't a shock, but no. it, it was still sad. Yeah, and I mean, I think right. that fits into it because I think it, it affects people more deeply when you're confronted with a death in a situation where you're, you can't figure it out because death sort of has a... It has like a you like to think it has like certain rules like old people die yes. and people who are unhealthy die and mm-hmm. people that and that's Sick. how the world works yes. and that's how everything works and then when someone who isn't that way has like a, a freak accident or they yeah. have a heart like a, a heart attack out of nowhere all of a sudden you're confronted with the idea of like there yeah. are there aren't rules to like how you know, life actually works. Right. Yeah, and your own mortality. You're, right. you're, you're yeah. sort of like. And I think for, know. I mean, I think for a lot of people, um, me, definitely me. I mean, I don't want, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, it was, it's, it's the first time. I mean, I, I've known people in my life who have died, uh, even for even close friends that have died, but I was younger, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. so. You know, high school is somewhere in high school, and maybe it's because of my age. You, I don't, I don't know. There's something about it. It doesn't register in one way, or there's something you're missing at that point. Or I think a, it depends on when it like challenges who you think you, who, what you think you are. Because right. I think him dying probably challenges people who are more adult. Because it's he's someone obviously in your profession, whereas well, for it's me, like a challenging thing. To well, I think you. Well, that, well, for me, know. it was the first time that not only a, a, a close friend of mine yeah. had had passed away, but a friend who also was um, I don't want to I don't want to be it, it's pretentious to say a mentor, but uh, but somebody very cl- if there was I wish there was another word that was just short of that right that were somebody who really someone was, you followed someone you somebody you, who really was up here and and said 
don't worry. I've been through it. He was, he was a veteran contemporary. Yeah, and, yeah. and there's something about that that, I mean, it's, there's a hole. There's something missing now, you know, so. Yeah. Um, but I do think that uh, um, there's another good story from um, Josh Middleton. He has a really good story. So I think that we should uh, give him a call and have yeah. him tell his Talk story. Josh. Mr. Middleton. All right, so uh, yeah, so we're calling. Uh, we just called Josh Middleton, superstar artist, superstar of uh, yeah. awesome books like Superman Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey. you know, start, you start with man, wait. I haven't done anything awesome yet, really. Five uh, of a kind. Uh, uh, the Batman next week coming out on Wednesday. Metamorpho. Yeah, t- uh, Tom's all over. Tom's yeah. all over you. I saw the preview pages, and I'm going to buy it, even though I don't give a shit about <laughs> the outsiders. <laughs> well, that's not how I felt drawing it, but it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it came out all right. But thanks for that. I, I get that a lot for for some reason. It seems like everything I do, I get more. You know, I get scolded by my quote unquote fans, saying like, "Well, I really hate these characters." <laughs> You know, you kind of made him look cool, so I'm gonna buy it anyway. That's all I ever get. That's how I, that's how I said it earlier. Yeah, he did. He's <laughs> sort of like a he's like mopey, hey, sort of a mopey loser <laughs> accent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, Scotty, I like your like, bo- your oh boy. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm buying an Aquaman book. That's <laughs> all. I, you know, that's all I've heard now since it. I thought hey, this would be fun. You know, it's. It's crazy, it's Aquaman in the desert, <laughs> you know. <laughs> just think about it, it just blew my mind as soon as they pitched it to me. Like, oh my God, how can he survive? <laughs> I don't want to give anything away, but there's water under the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I'm sorry, spoiler alert. Spoiler. <laughs> spoiler alert. Well, well, I'll just read it on Wikipedia then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll wait for the trade. Yeah, I'll wait for the trade. Yeah, I'll wait for the trade. Uh, I forgot. I'm not good at that. I don't talk comics. So I talk about comic people. But I don't talk about the comics themselves that often. So I remember to do the spoiler alert. Uh, how, I have to actually listen to your guys' show. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. How sorry. deep is that yeah. water? <laughs> yeah, I've listened to it. You, you, uh, and, and, and I can provide a contrast to uh, to Scotty. Because you know, he can be kind of a... Dynamic sort of a pain in the ass. Yeah, you guys haven't been around Josh for five minutes then. <laughs> yeah, but see, I I just want to say that I, I'm a more I'm definitely a more reserved sort of stuff. Uh, but I just want to see I I guess I just want to say I like what you fucking nerds are doing. I, I just cool. I think it's great. Thanks. Well, we'll we'll definitely have to get you back on some other time to talk more about about, <laughs> about your work, work. about us yeah, about us about like. how much you love us. <laughs> Uh, but right, right. but tonight uh, uh, we, we'd like to talk to you a little bit about uh, the unfortunate passing of Mike Roringo. Yes, indeed. And uh, and you, you were uh, Scotty was telling us you you had uh, yeah he has uh, the other day uh, obviously you know Josh and I spent some time just again like we all have here tonight and and, and everybody I think this previous week just. Uh, Kind of honoring him by t- you know telling stories about him you know good yeah. bad whatever and right. uh, and I feel that uh, Josh told me a story that I I just felt was uh, just a, actually a really moving story from uh, and again it's going to be from uh, an up and comer and, and kind of a new place right. in history so Josh I'm going to go ahead and let you uh, just kind of yeah, sure. give us the story well, you know, and anything say, else obviously when it's like Scotty said when you you hear news like that uh, you don't you know obviously no one looks forward to hearing news like that you know about anybody but uh especially i think it was so significant i think it hit so hard and i'm sure a lot of folks have said the same thing is just because of the nature of the the person that he was he was just uh, uh 
I mean, obviously, he, he's, I think people know that he was very unassuming and, and almost almost to a fault. He didn't take credit for, for much, and uh, despite his accomplishments and despite how much of an influence he was on, on a lot of artists. Um, but when I, you know, in, if with me, I when I heard the news and was talking to Scott, I, you know, I didn't realize, that, you know, of course, you think back to speaking with him in the past and, and, and seeing him at shows, and it dawned on me how... You know how much more significant he was even to me coming up before I, you know, before I got into the business and, and as a pro. Tellers was out there. This is I, I kind of broke in, I guess, so to speak, in '99. I, I started working at Cross, you know, as my first job. <clears throat> and um, you know, when I was, I did a couple of shows, and you know, and I, and I didn't know anybody. I didn't have comic book artist friends and something like that, and. Uh, I have the I have a couple now, just for the record. <laughs> His <laughs> but, name is uh, Scotty Young. Yeah, Scott. Pretty much, that's about it. So that's actually why I listen to your show, by the way, because I feel as if I have sort of phantom friends. <laughs> I, can, I can talk. To, I can almost talk back. To, I get frustrated because I can't put in my two cents. But anyway, <laughs> well, I, you, uh, tell, uh, you you all, during uh, your time of breaking in, one of your sample pieces. Right, was, was, a, was a Telos piece. Actually, I, I started out Telos. You know, I'm, a, I'm a fantasy art sort of a guy. I like, uh, I'm not a huge superhero fan, which is why I draw Outsiders books. And uh, you, it's just one of these... An Aquaman. <laughs> you love wizards and shit. Right. Well, well it's, it's, fantasy yeah, I like wizards and elves desert. and dragons and dragon elves and wizard dragons. Fucking dragon nerd. You're worse. And fairy dragons and fairy princesses. Anyway, but there's not a whole lot of books out there that are any good, honestly. There's a lot of, you know, sword and sorcery stuff, but it's not terribly good. And Ringo with Telos is one of the few, and I'm also a huge fan of animation and stuff like that. Scotty and I actually share quite a bit of the same taste when it comes to the material that we like. And that that was a time where Tell Us was one of those few books that came out that you could see somebody's heart was really into this, and it 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 was mainstream in in, in a sense, and, it, and yet it, it wasn't superheroes. It was just a nice all ages fancy book, and it was sort of animated in style. And I just looked up, looked to it and thought, well, this is this is great. It's great that they're doing this sort of stuff, and I can't wait to see so much more. But of course, it, it, that's uh, Tell Us was uh, there's not there's not a whole lot of stuff even since then. Um, so I looked up to Ringo and on that level, and, and obviously I liked his art as well. And, but I never thought about you know actually talking to the guy or meeting or anything like that. And, and when I was looked going around looking for jobs, I uh, one of the first guys I met was Todd Dezago, who you know wrote Tell Us, and I guess Ringo's best friend really. And uh, we talked a bit, and I was so inspired that I thought I'm going to try to make some sample pages. And uh, you know, trying to get a job, and I my first set of samples were were Conan pages, I think. And then uh, I went home, and I laid out this big story, and I and I decided to start with a big pinup image, and I and I did this uh, Telos image. And I used screen tone. I spent all this time on this thing, and uh, I still have it in my portfolio. And uh, you know, it was it was it was, uh, it was so fun to do, and it was so. Uh, you know, it was it was a challenge to you know try to do those characters right and. And I remember then I, I finally got a chance to meet Ringo. Uh, after I did that piece, I kind of put it away. I never showed it to anybody, and I, I actually did get a job at CrossGen. And and I was I was doing my first show, and uh, which uh, CrossGen kind of brought everybody out. And I think it was Chicago, was the first my first official con, sort of a professional. And uh, you, were drawing, was, uh, you were drawing Meridian at the time, right? I was on Meridian, right? And which is the you know my first book and. Uh, you know, they were trying to plan ahead, and eventually Meridian was going to need a film an issue. 
And it did. Of course, I quit before. <laughs> we'll have a whole show on those stories, brother. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I uh, I thought, man, wouldn't it be awesome to, to have somebody like Ringo do a, a, a fill-in? You know, but I was it was too much to ask. I didn't. You know, I'm done. There's nobody who was drawing. You know, just could barely draw. And uh, and Cross had their own ideas about who to get to do a fill-in in book. They wanted to get. You know, I don't, I don't remember the artist's name, but. I took it upon myself, you know, I just wanted to be able to talk to Ringo. I thought, well, now I'm, I'm a professional now. At least I can have the guts to maybe go up and talk to somebody. And I happened to be walking by, and, and he was at that show. And uh, I, I went to introduce myself to him, because you know, I had already met Todd, and I did this Tellers piece. And apparently Todd, I guess I sent him a copy uh, of the Tellers piece, um, and he would showed it to Ringo. And uh, he remembered it, and he, as I started to talk to him, I realized, I mean, it was just incredible, because he's, he's one of these guys, you know, I, I had met a couple other people, but I felt like automatically I'm talking to, I mean, here's this guy who's drawn all this stuff, and he's drawn all these big books and all these big characters, and he was so down to earth and so unassuming, and so, but I told Sky, he's just so into the art. And immediately he started talking, oh, he knew Meridian, he had bought the book, and you know, he was he was very coloring, very encouraging to me. But he said, uh, he started talking about the art. He started talking about you know drawing anatomy and, and asking me questions. And I I just I was blown away. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, my God, I, you know, most pros don't you know they don't really give you that kind of time of day. And I, he just encouraged me, you know, so much, just from that from being so open. And uh, so I thought, well, what the hell? I ask him about doing the Meridian <laughs> uh, fill-in issue. I, I just thought, what's the worst that can happen? He could say no. And and I said, you know, this is ridiculous. But would you want to do a fill-in issue on on Meridian? And right away he said, sure, I'd love to. You know, he was it was it was like I was just talking like a buddy. You know. <laughs> And uh, he ended up doing it. He actually did do the fill-in issue, and uh, which I actually I left the book I think right before he did that fill-in, and uh, he drew it better than uh, than I drew it. Which so <laughs> it was probably a, uh, it was nice to see that uh, you know he was very comfortable with that sort of genre. So he did a, a hell of a job, and he had a chance to design you know secondary characters and things. He put so much into it. Uh, just a filling issue, you know, and, and you could see how much his heart was into everything he did. Um, so that was my first real big boost, uh, and I really felt like I'd gotten somewhere, you know, I made it. And then over the years, I, you know, I'd, I'd see him at shows and talk to him on the telephone, and uh, he never, he never lost that enthusiasm for for the art itself and for you know the passion he had for life and all that stuff. And and sometimes they come across as. Uh, you know, sometimes he got down because he wasn't happy with the state of the industry or because he cared so much about it. He cared about the stories, and he, he didn't want to draw things that his heart wasn't into, and, and I related to that, and I, you know, I still relate to that, and I admired him for having done Telos and for having, you know, followed that, and, and uh, it, you know, I, I realized it was he was a kindred spirit, I guess, and that's why there's such a feeling now. I talked, when I first talked to Sky, it's strange because, you know, you hear these stories of, you know, people passing, people, you know, and it's very difficult to move on, but I've never actually felt that sort of emptiness. There's a, there's a definite hole, and then, you know, over time, I, I'm, a, I'm, you know, you hope that that uh, is uh, filled in, but for now, it's, it really feels, a, you know, you feel an emptiness. There's a loss there that, uh, that, you know, you can't reclaim. I mean, you can look back at what he's done, and you look at his body of work, but there's only one guy. There was only one Ringo, and he's, he's the only guy that did it, so... 
at his way, you know, with his with his heart. So it's uh, it is quite a loss, uh, not just as an artist, obviously, but just uh, as a good human being. You know, and that's, that I think that's what's most affecting to me. Yeah, I mean, I I just I really and I think when when Josh told me that story and and of course reading the the various stuff that has has been put online recently and. Uh, we've mentioned that his his uh, his brother uh, has been keeping up his blog and and, and yeah yeah I actually I went to his site to, to see what information was on there and uh, I, I read I've been reading the updates on there myself yeah and and you can you you just see over and over that I mean uh, what Josh's story and and all the other artist stories and my story earlier of. Uh, this was not a once one-time guy who would pick one guy or one kind of new right. newcomer and and say, "Well, I'll talk to you, but not the rest." I mean, this was a guy who. No, no, yeah, he was. I, I actually I mentioned this the other day. He's. It was crazy. I, you know, as a hungry sort of young artist, I'm always. I was, and I still look at a lot of art myself. And I'd get on the internet and looking at uh, you know different drawing, you know, websites or drawing board. The drawing board was one, and and these are just you know artists from all over the place posting their art and I've ne- you rarely see me occasionally see a name you recognize and with almost without fail I'd, I'd find I'd see a cool piece of art some you know these young guys from Italy are posting up their comic and I'd go and think wow this looks cool and I'm scrolling through and, and you see all these different you know posts and messages of encouragement and nine times out of ten there's Ringo on there <laughs> and you know posting on there hey this stuff looks great this looks awesome and you know and I, I remember reading I think man that's just awesome because you know as much as i love the art it is easy to get so carried and you know caught up in your own stuff and you tend to you kind of settle into this is what i do this is you know this is the way i draw this is my thing and a lot of pros seem to lose sight of that that passion for the art itself and he he never did that and and i think that's why he was so encouraging to up-and-coming artists and artists from all over the board it it wasn't for no other reason that he just loved the art. I mean, right. he genuinely loved it, and he and he genuinely wanted to see people go for it and and do it. You know, and and I think that uh, I think it you know, sometimes it pained him to you know to not be able to go back and do what he was doing sometimes uh, with Telos or his, his own. He loved it. You know, obviously everybody knows he loved animals. And I took the last time I talked to him at length, uh, he talked about he he really wanted to do a book maybe set in the in the uh, like an African in the savannah or, and. and with lions and and all this sort of stuff, and I thought, you know, it'd, it'd be wonderful. I'm sure he, because I know he'd draw the hell out of it, and he would have put everything into it. Oh, he wanted to do an anthropomorphic book, like there was nobody's business. I mean, uh, right. books like that. I mean, it would. There, I don't know. You know, that's a whole other subject. But you know, finding a place for a book like that. Uh, yeah. It does. It is. It could be somewhat depressing thinking that the market is not broad enough sometimes for wonderful material that like that. Uh, but that's, like I said, that's something that we all kind of dealt with. And, and but Ringo never lost his his uh, his enthusiasm for it. And, and so finding him on message boards and seeing him on a website and his own blog and posting his own sketches out there, all while busting his ass and putting out books. You know, I'm lucky if I can put out a page a week. And, it, you know, <laughs> I, uh, and he's putting out, I mean, it was a page a day and working these long hours and, Amazing amount of energy. Well, he was a guy that w- that we talked about where he would, uh, you know, he'd say things like, you know, like comics are really hard, but and sometimes life gets in the way. Like sometimes you yeah, gotta, yeah, sometimes yeah. you gotta leave a little room to I don't know, you know, like eat and <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, he was, he was, you know, because he had to do something with his, 
you know, he had to go pay a bill or, or something with his house. Like, you know, like, like, you know, it's like all these stupid things kept interrupting his work. <laughs> I'm thinking, like eating and sleeping and, and having a roof over your head. And, you know, and I, it's just amazing. I mean, it's, it's you know... Well, that's borderline crazy dog, but he, that's how he lived it. You know, he really did. Well, uh, uh, what extraordinary? What do you think? I mean, if as as artists and doing uh, living kind of our lives and, and doing the same thing that Mike did, is there anything that you think uh, this kind of this shocking out of nowhere thing that that's happened? Do you think that there's anything that you'll walk away from? I, I mean, has it jarred anything or reminded you of of? anything or you know what i mean what, what do you think is there anything that you can take away from this and and learn yeah, from or change yeah. i mean from? obviously you, you, anything happens like happens like this it, it makes you think and because you know because i knew him because he was an inspiration and and uh, it's especially jarring but all you can do i mean you have to you have to look at it and you you try to make sense of it and of course there's no sense in it there's you can't there's no logic, and I'm a very logical person. There's no logic attached to and something like that. You just, but eventually you have to try to put, uh, you have to put it in some kind of a, a light that you can live with and take something away. And 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 as I was sitting there, I was that day. I I couldn't work that day, and then I just I just tried to get out of the house, and, and I went out with my wife, and and we were having lunch, and you know you can't, you know, just kind of your thoughts are just drawn to. Uh, you know, I'm just thinking about Ringo and thinking, but he just, it was just too hard to believe. And he could feel, like I said, that sort of, that strange sort of uh, hollowness. And uh, but as I talked to my wife, I realized, you know, in talking about his life and, and the way he lived, what you take away is that you don't, it's just what he, what had he, how he, the very first way he'd encourage me in, in the first place to, to go for it, to draw the way I drew and to, uh, you know, to not... Just don't make those compromises. I, I try to live that, and it, but it's very easy sometimes to to get caught up and you know. Uh, here I'm doing an issue. I'm, I, I just I just joked about drawing an outsider's issue. There's nothing wrong with the book. It's a fine book, I'm sure. It's, it's my heart. It's not in that book, honestly. And it's a job. Everyone's got to. There's no you know. There's no shame in wanting to pay bills. But at the end of the day, this is it. You know, right. this is we got one shot. This is one life. And I think. Uh, you know, I think it, it's important to if your if your heart's not in it, uh, then don't do it. I mean, you 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 have to kind of believe and, and follow that. And ultimately, all the money in the world doesn't doesn't make up for for that kind of happiness and that kind of satisfaction. I've lived the frustration of drawing books that I didn't want to draw, and I've made money doing it. And and you know what? I've been a lot happy, a lot poorer drawing, you know, something, you know, drawing a fairy dragon princess. <laughs> with an elf rider. With an elf. You know, a dragon an elf. elf. Yeah, an elf riding a dragon with a, uh, you know, fighting a wizard on the, uh, whatever, you know. Don't lie, dude. You like, like, naked 12-year-olds standing in yeah, leaves. You know, and that's... Will you anything, draw my I mean, D&D I, I, characters? I feel a little awkward. I don't want to get it such a... That doesn't do justice to a, to a man, uh, but it, it doesn't... It, it, it does encourage me to to not uh, to not give in to that because it's it's obviously life is a very a fragile thing and uh, and shy, especially somebody as as seemingly healthy and as as Ringo was there's um, you know like I said it's this is it you know right. it's, and you have to kind of make the most of it uh, and that's not a bad thing I think ultimately that's probably a good thing it, you know there's it's no there's no fear and 
thinking this is our one shot. That's a that's a real good motivator to do to do something that's important to you know. Right. Uh, I'm glad. I'm just really glad that Ringo did do Tellers. I'm glad he did find time to accomplish some of those things. Uh, a lot of guys don't, and, and a lot of guys don't have the courage, I think, to go for that. Uh, you know, because it takes time. You need sometimes you have to do these things on your own time and on your own dime, and. Uh, a lot of artists, I think, think, oh, there's always tomorrow, there's next time, I'm just going to draw one more Batman book, I'm going right. to draw one more Outsiders, Aquaman in the Desert book, or whatever it is. And uh, Should I not buy that? This is really... <laughs> <laughs> is there yeah. sublimity? Are you trying to tell us something? You're really turning Tom around, brother. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. It, it is... It is <laughs> we, keep, we keep hearing, you know, about his his absolute love for the medium but his frustration with it right. do you think that's why he gravitated to young creators was to you know to, uh, to try and you know change the industry at at a at a ground floor level and get these oh my young god yeah i think so i think there's it's because you know obviously he was doing what he had to do and he still was was trying to make it but you know strength in numbers and and we had talked about you know artists sit around sometimes, guys who kind of give a damn, you, you can have these big conversations. Scotty and I have talked about changing the world uh, We've changed lot, it about you know? ten times, I think, it, haven't it, we? It, and I'm sure it, and we have all these brilliant, brilliant plans on how we're going to, you know. <laughs> and, actually, and I've included Ringo. We, I, I talked to him for like an hour or two one evening about this very subject and, and the, the future and the, and the next generation. What, you, what do you do to encourage the positive change? Because I, I happen to believe and, and, I, and I know that he agreed. I mean, there's room for everything. There's not. It's not we were saying that you you have to change, turn everything on its head, and eliminate something in order to allow artists to books that are all ages, or books that are tellers type books, or books you know, to exist. We maybe the culture needs to shift to accept you know this uh, animation, anything that's animated. Ringo loved animation. I loved it. You know, we all love animation, but for some reason, it's you know, it's, it has to be. Kid, kitty fair, or, or so dumb only a kid would like it. You know, whereas in maybe other cultures, that's not the case. And so we talked about that. And I, I think Ringo's passion for, you know, when we looked at it. When we looked at it, cause it of course, he had that hope that it, this, you know, this, this is going to be, this, this something's going to blossom out. This is how a culture grows. You, if you don't have that, if you don't have guys like that. You, right. you know, that's that's how things. That's how great things happen. You know, and you can look back at, at the biggest movements or, or accomplishments of. Artists uh, throughout history, even in comics, uh, somebody had to have that sort of hunger, and they usually find each other. And uh, and next thing you know, you have well, little things like Image or whatever, you know, uh, sort of branching out that you that some guys had some sort of a vision for what they wanted to do. And right, I, I would have I would have loved to see more of that happen. Uh, I think obviously because, because it, it, of him. Yeah, I mean, and have him be a part of it, and, and yeah, and obviously I'd love to. I would have loved to have seen him be a part of it. I, as a fan, and as someone who believed in that, I, I always sort of expected it was only a matter of time. Well, his, right. you're going to see more of that. But if there's any bright light, is I, I do believe he is a part of that. Whether he's on this plane or not, right. he's, uh, he's absolutely going to be a part of that uh, as as those artists grow. Because I know how much it meant to have encouragement from. Him. I know those guys that he posts on there. You know, when he posts some guy, some kid puts up a drawing or whoever, or whoever puts up some picture, and a guy like Ringo posts on there, this is fantastic. You know, I saved it to my desktop or something. You know, you you can't help but it feel you know just as as big as a mountain reading that, and that's enough to keep you going for another year. You know, and yeah. 
uh, he's already done an awful lot of work, and I think you'll see the fruits of that over even as time progresses. You can't take that away. He's left that mark, and there's nothing uh, him not being here is a real loss. But uh, you know, his work and all that it already instilled in people that sort of uh, inspiration and hope. Right. Well, Josh, uh, we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some of your thoughts and then uh, telling hey, us. Hey, thanks story. for having me. Uh, I, I, and, I, I, and Josh, I, Josh, I yeah. love you. <laughs> well, Josh, I'm just gonna torrent that Outsiders. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, what was that? I'm just gonna download that Outsiders illegally. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, if you want, I could actually just send you all the JPEGs uh, without the lettering. Nothing against the writer; it's, it's brilliantly written, but it's just that I'm I'm actually good enough that you don't need the words. You can just kind of see. I see why you and Scotty get along. Why, yeah. so, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be that way. It's not. It's not that. Listen. It's not that I'm so great. It's just that everybody else is so bad. <laughs> oh. so I, I, I don't want to. I just got to keep my ego in check. There. I didn't want to. You know. I'll just come tape off as like being a. Full of myself. I'll just put a dragon in the desert with Aquaman and Metamorpho, and it'll all be fine. Just, you know, I may not have drawn them, but they're there. You can. I can. They're invisible. <laughs> Every page, Metamorphos, he may look like he's on a cloud of steam, but he's actually riding on the back of a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna hop up here, and we appreciate you coming on. All right, and, thanks, guys. Uh, we'll de- keep we'll up de- good work, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All, All right, right well, Josh, better. hopefully we'll uh, we'll get you back on under uh, better circumstances and talk. Indeed, about yeah, stuff. obviously that would be nice. Uh, and yeah, thanks again, and, and uh, it's nice to hear you guys doing something for Ringo's sake. I think that's uh, a good thing. All right, right, thanks, buddy. Thank you very much, sir. All right, thanks, man. All right, bye-bye. So thanks, Josh. Thanks to Josh for uh, giving us his thoughts and and whatnot. But uh, now I think we're going to give Mike Norton over here, who really has uh, Ringo played a huge part, I think, in in Mike's artistic career and, 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 and just, you know, what Mike wanted to be as an artist so i think it's uh, it's appropriate to kind of hand the reins over to 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 mike norton here and let him give us a little rundown of, oh. of take uh, it away mike norton of yeah, what well. of what ringo's done in the industry the mike norton theme. Dun, 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 dun. well i mean uh, he i mean mike was an extremely large influence on just the way i i mean when i grew up i grew up you know, reading John Romita Spider Man, and that was my Spider Man. I heard stories about John Romita and how he was just like this every man, and he did his work and got in and got out. And then later on, when I was getting back into comics, there's, you know, the first thing I saw was Flash, and and uh, I, I I thought that was pretty amazing. But it wasn't until later on in Spider Man where I became infatuated with his Spider Man, and and he became. Like my modern Romita, right. it's like somebody to aspire to be like not only artistically but like you know career. Be just yeah. very, I mean, very humble guy. Well, and so I, I, I really have modeled myself after the guy in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I think the you used to be your name used to be Ted, and you actually changed it to yeah, Mike. Yeah, I changed it to Mike. <laughs> so that I could be yeah. like Mike Waringo. Um but I think the first thing I saw of his, which wasn't too far off after he got into the business, I got into the business, I believe, fairly late in life, around 27, 28. Right. And the first he thing I saw... He managed a grocery store. Really? Yeah, he ma- yeah, he managed a grocery store for a long time. But uh, 
he did uh, the Flash at DC, like yeah. I said. And that was around ninety three or ninety four, yeah. I believe. And it, it, I loved those issues because it was right after um, Wade had been writing it for probably like about a year, but they had just finished doing sort of kind of like a sad like you know the return of Barry Allen like right. a sad storyline yeah. and then that sort of took a, a turn where Wade you know you could see where it led up to what yeah. Wade was doing with like Impulse where it was more of like a fun comic book and where right. Ringo sort of was that right I mean, after yeah, the, I mean it was hard road. not yeah. to see I mean the last time that I had read Flash was issue one with Baron and, and Geese yeah and uh it's different very different yeah exactly and I, I I looked at it I was like this is Flash I haven't read Flash in a while I'll look at it and he drew a really big bulky Flash but he did not look like he was I mean he was fast it right. looked fast he had a shiny costume yeah I'd never noticed that before you know he, and it was it was just everything about it was kinetic and energetic and, and I just uh I it was instantly infatuated with it. I mean, it was just, you can't not be interested. And then, you know, even a character like Impulse, who I wouldn't have been interested in normally, yeah, became very interesting because of, you know, the story was fun and the artwork just fit it like a glove. It and and Ramos's stuff is just, it's where Ringo was going, just yeah. blown up. Yeah, um, yeah. Umberto like came. Umberto definitely. Uh, I mean, the door was opened for him by Ringo, which opened the door for. You yeah. know, it's it's a chain of events. I mean, a chain of people opened the door for more people. I, I, like I said, I wouldn't it's be just here. like one step. It was right. like R- Ramos took when Ramos did the Flash as well. Right. Did Impulse. It was just that one more right. step beyond. Yeah. yeah. That was, was like it was it was just pretty much an evolution like, of that. Yeah. You could almost you could see the door open and all the new guys come through at that. Right. Point. You could have a character. Now did with Mike giant do? Feet Mike did impulse air, yeah. before Umberto. He, he right. helped create him right. in yeah. Flash. Right. And yeah. then Flash. I mean, Umberto was on uh, impulse from issue one. Right. Yeah. That's right. So. And and the, I think the thing about uh, Mike that to me that stood out is that. Uh, and I still think it's an issue today and something that, if anything artistically that I've uh, taken away from Mike and, and try to apply to my work is like on Impulse where Impulse looked like a kid. Yeah. yeah. Which, right. which yeah. to me is a very big issue in, in comic Not books today. Not just like the face, but clothing. Body yeah. and the clothing. and the, I mean, he looked the age... You he, had to de-age a, a lot of the characters yeah, he in was New X-Men. Age appropriate. Yes, and yeah, coming in on New X-Men, almost keeping in mind people like uh, Ringo and then what he did for Umberto of going, well, this is a 15-year-old kid. We need to remember what we looked like when we were 15 or awkward little yeah. skinny punks. We do not have these big, bulky... Shaping a little bit. And like right, yeah, longer necks yeah. and longer arms, and especially as a boy. I mean, you go through some weird physical, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're awkward looking, you know. And but your clothes are Sal like, says uh, he was never awkward. <laughs> yeah. He was, Shut up, he was a pimp from day one. <laughs> <laughs> a pimp from Jump Street. But, uh... I think Mike on uh, on Impulse was one of those first guys that I noticed yeah. that, oh, wow. But it's I think, a kid character. But it's kind of right. weird because I think uh, seeing what he did with that stuff and then seeing what he did with, like, the Fantastic Four, which was, like, you know, something else he worked uh-huh. on, he was such a perfect fit for that because the Fantastic Four has all these characters that are supposed to look... I mean, Mr. Fantastic's supposed to look mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cartoony. You know, the thing is supposed to have that right. element of... Yeah, you know, you're not. Suppo- to me, the thing isn't supposed to look like 
really a guy made out of rock. Whenever I see that, right. I'm always like, well, that's kind of lame. Right. I like to see the big cartoony thing that yeah. looks bigger than life, or you know, the that's Mr. How Kirby Fantastic who's right, right. stretching all over yeah. the place. That's like the way those characters should be viewed. Yeah, right. so are supposed to be viewed. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, after I mean, uh, after Flash. I guess because of, you know, they saw him as the young character guy. I mean, they did a couple of Robin issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which were equally right. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, did, did Zaga write those? I don't know who wrote those. Mm. Maybe. He might have, yeah. yeah. I, I, who knows? I'd have to look that up here. So, well, someone does on the internet. It's <laughs> not <laughs> like it's fucking lost but the time. I, I, after that, after <laughs> There's that, an answer. He did... Uh, he went to Marvel, and mm-hmm. that's when he did the Rogues mini, Rogue miniseries, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Terry Austin inked them. And I remember it looked a little different. It was there. a little different there. You know, when Terry Austin inks anything, it looks like Terry, Terry Austin. Austin. He has his style it, that he... It took away some of that bounce to right. me. It took away a little bit of the Everything bounce. Everything was very sharp Yes, in that miniseries. And uh, uh, from there, that's when I noticed him, because that's when he started sensational oh yeah and he did sensational spider-man for a good bit and the only unfortunate part about that i mean uh was that he was most of most of that run was the ben riley spider-man yeah. and it was that weird <coughs> clone costume like, yeah. it's probably the worst time in spider-man history yeah but i couldn't not read it, it right was some, uh, he did a fantastic spider the thing right. i liked about his his spider-man was i think um uh, McFarland had sort of developed a style for Spider-Man for a while that right. I think hung around with people who weren't necessarily as good at doing that style as mm-hmm, McFarland, sure. and people sort of got hung up on that. Right. And to me, when I you know when I saw the sensational stuff, it was a different costume and all, but it was also the way he you know he was built. It the wasn't thing, you know it was skinny, like a different. Yeah, it yeah. Was, he looked like a young guy a yeah, yeah. with a big head and yeah. a little skinny body. He sort of reset it again yeah. for right. me for like exactly. seeing the style. Yeah, yeah it's like the trade dress had changed and yeah. he pulled it back to what yeah. it was yeah. really supposed to be. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. And Todd DeZago was writing those. Yeah. And you had a lot of crazy, fantastic stories. You yeah. Know, I mean, like Doctor Strange. And yeah. The other night at Drawing Night, we, we, were, right, we just spent the night looking. or whatever. Yeah. Looking was. through issues. And I went, if you, all anybody has to do is go back and look at his Spider-Man issues and you won't question anymore why he was frustrated at the direction that things have gone right because it was filled with m- magical things yeah. and well that and really know, a that fantastic world i think that was him hooking up with with todd yeah and them realizing oh we like <clears throat> this sort of stuff yeah can i read a I, I flip as we're talking i'm flipping yeah. through the micro yeah, modern masters and it just came to a part about uh his he was talking about sensational spider-man he said uh uh, there was so much that was fun about working on Sensational. It was a great time. The frustrating parts for me would be having to curtail what we wanted to do with the book to have to conform to the several crossover stories that had to run through all the Spider-Man titles. Although we ended up ultimately enjoying the stories we crafted within the parameters set for those stunts, it was still a little frustrating to have subject matter foisted on us that we had to fit into the book. But that sort of tripped up the momentum that we would be building with the stories we were doing. Everything would have to be dropped for these crossovers. Other than those speed bumps, though, Ralph was very hands-on. Ralph Macchio, and uh, let us do whatever struck our fancy on Sensational, which made for a very fun working atmosphere. Well, and that would happen again later on when yeah. he came back to yes. Spider-Man. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I think that was the breaking point of like, right, right. Oh. but And that was the crossover that he was talking about was where 
you know, like Spider-Man split into like four characters. That's where I think right, we had, like yeah, Ricochet. And that, was, and, and, that, and that was the thing about it was when you know I'd seen him on Flash and and I'd seen his Spider-Man. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then they do this where right. Spider-Man's not even in the book anymore. It's right. Ricochet and Hornet yeah, and, all, and, and all these other guys. Right, ben Riley yeah. and, and, and so. as we keep talking more and more about him, there there are two words that that keep coming up to describe him, and it's fun. And frustrated, yeah. <laughs> but the frustrated because he wanted to have more oh, fun. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, and I, th- I, I think that's pretty apropos. Yeah. You know. Well, um, was it that after Spider-Man he started working on Fantastic Four? No, that's no. no. He started Telos after. Yeah, oh yeah, he yeah. He left, and they did Telos. There's two trades out of. T- I mean, two trade paperbacks. And they're coming Telos. out with another collection. Yeah, it's called too, like yeah. the Gargantuan. Yeah. Uh, given the name of his trade fits. If anybody's read Telos, it's very it's yeah. it's definitely a kid's story yeah. and it's uh, it it's is. a fantasy book and I mean it's frog soldiers and uh, anthropomorphic yeah. yeah yeah a lot of anthropomorphic characters and yeah. there's a lot of fun there so even the name of their big you know instead of the omnibus or you know the absolute it's the gargantuan yeah. or whatever and um, that ran I think. Somewhere it'd be like twelve. I think it was twelve. I think it was twelve. Possibly, yeah, somewhere around twelve. And there was some. They had. I want to say so ten to twelve. I'm pretty. Yeah, I was pretty sure it was twelve issues. Yeah, there were there were other stories. Yeah, he had a lot of. Well. He had a, there was yeah. a prologue. A couple years back, yeah. they also put out a little. Yeah. Um, an extra little story thing yeah. with with a new little story and I think some pinups. I think the new one that's coming out is supposed to have some extra stuff. Every, it just have everything. everything right. It's supposed to be right. Um, and what people do, and and that lived uh, even longer. It li- lived a longer life than what even the American audience might have known. Yeah. In that uh, it was very, you know, very big in Europe oh, and yeah, spent I a lot of time in that. print there and the and the print the printing there was beautiful and. I mean, it was really an exciting time for him, but I think that, and he, he would say this all the time, that he felt that he got in right at the end of the big boom, right? Like, right, yeah. he felt like, God, just, God damn it. I just right? missed, I missed it. it. Yeah. I missed it. Like, literally, the door just shut right when they were doing it. But, I mean, Telos was still very successful for a creator-owned book, much more. I mean, the books, the creator-owned books that we see as successful today Telos was still outdoing those, yeah. even for that time that seemed to be unsuccessful. Yeah. Uh, compared to today's it. market, I mean, in, in you know, relative to today's market, right, it was right. very successful yeah. for a creator-owned book. Um, and and he definitely, they definitely had a benefit because they filled a hole that that another kind of artistic superstar left, which was uh, Joe Madureira came yeah. in and and gave Battle Chasers, which was loved and and really really successful, but never came out and there was very big gaps and then it kind of fell off the weird thing with Telos is I think it was it was sort of it was sort of ahead of its time in a way because it was like a creator owned work that didn't fit I think a lot of at that time what people were a lot of the creator owned stuff or whatever the independent stuff was still sort of Trying to work its way out of the shared universe idea and all that. One thing that I one thing that I think that uh, if if you weren't into some other mediums like like video games at the time, the one thing that I think helped Telos and made it the successful book that it was at its time was a it filled a a hole for the people that were lacking. People were missing battle chasers. They wanted battle chasers. 
and it wasn't coming out. And so Mike and Todd, not because of Battle Chasers, this was because of their own mm-hmm. thing, but it, it just happened to slide in at a time it where this other fell off. Currently, where it, so yeah. people had another fantasy style book to latch onto. And what people might forget about that time is the highest selling game and the biggest phenomenon of that time was when the PlayStation first came mm-hmm. out and Final Fantasy VII came yeah. out, mm-hmm. and which was a revolutionary video game. There was no game before that that was like that. Yeah. And the scenery and the storytelling How in that world... Were right in that. You, yeah, you could jump from this world. So, And me, I was a comic book fan, but I also played this game, which blew my mind. So after finishing that game I felt because the game take you two months to play oh, yeah. 72 hours that was hours. the last game like that I ever played and, <laughs> and, and as soon I as I finished it all I wanted was more where's the story I, I need something else that has dragons and, and animals that talk and, and stuff like that and I had you know there was Telos there for me so yeah. for for me being you know I'm a little bit younger than Mike who Mike got in yeah. with the Flash or the Spider-Man stuff um, that happened just a little bit before me mine was Telos well I mean and for me because uh, I'm about the same yeah, age yeah. I remember uh, at the time I wasn't reading any other I, I read like the big two stuff right. Telos is one of the things I'd you know read outside of that Right. and for people who don't know you know that Telus exists. Which right. I'm sure there's tons of people now that are discovering know. it. Yeah, right. that you should pick it up because right. it is really like a real pure distillation of his yeah. like mentality about fun and about character yeah. design mm-hmm. and about you know how things should look and yeah. how a universe should look and how a universe. Well, they should created work. A, yeah. They created a world from scratch. Yeah, uh, there was nothing. World building. They <laughs> built a world, and I believe there might be maps. A couple of little things about Telos in here. I just wanted to say uh, the, the interviewer, and I don't, I'm not sure who the interviewer is, but it seems like it's someone. The magical George Corey. He worked with. Uh, it's that book's by Todd Dezago and, Todd Dezago. and uh, uh, Eric George Corey. Okay. Else um, the, 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 the interviewer asked him uh, where the name Telos came from, and he said uh, the name Telos, if I remember correctly, was a play on the words "tell us," as in "tell us a story." And so the magical fantasy realm of Telos came from Tell Us. I know it's kind of silly, but despite what uh, Eric Larson thinks, I, I still think it's a pretty cool name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you. Mike, he he was not afraid of just saying shit, right? And just putting it out like that. Despite what that guy thought. You know, and Eric Larson's no small fry. Right. Despite what he thought, it's fucking cool. <laughs> well, and then the other thing, one other thing I just want to say uh, later on, he said... Um, I can't th- think of anything else I'd rather work on than Telos. Uh, it's my baby, and who doesn't want to lavish love and attention onto their baby? Right. Well, yeah. uh, Todd shared with me, uh, and this is something that, that uh, m- m- I don't think Mike ever mentioned to me. If he did, it, it must not have stuck with me. But and, and talk, speaking with Todd this week, um, I, I, had, I did uh, a little painting this week, a little a, yeah. a tribute painting for... Uh, when I heard the news and a little Telos piece with the two main characters, uh, Kaj and, and Jarek, and uh, I sent it over to Todd, I, the co-creator of the book, and, and thought that he might like it, and Mike's best friend. And something that I found out was um, Kaj and Jarek are Todd and Mike. Oh, no kidding. Uh, the characters. And, 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 and when I heard that, question of my it mind. It all made sense. Uh, Kaj is yeah. Mike. Yeah. And Jarek uh, would 
be taught. You know, they're like all of a sudden, like, oh wow, why and did if, I never see that if, before? And if yeah. you look at the, if you read the book, I mean, it is this. It is a buddy book. These two yeah. love each other. They are friends. They are characters that are bonded together. By thy side is, I mean, and you've, you'll probably see that online for the next weeks, you know, the weeks to come of, of that that was their call to each other. Like, whatever, wherever you're going, I'm by thy yeah. side. And even the speech, I mean, it was a throwback to old school storytelling and, mm-hmm. and, and storytelling for tell us what you just yeah. said. It was a throwback to those days of being able to tell stories without having to feel like this has to be real. Yeah. And you gotta, you know, you gotta. Ugh. It just. Yeah. You could just read it. Tell you, a story. You could walk just away from it and be just with a smile and just have a little fun with yeah. it, you know. So. Which is. And what? Yeah, and then after weird. Telos is when. That's when he went to Superman. Superman. And when um, and, you know, as as big and popular as Ed McGinnis became on Superman and Batman and stuff, you can't look at his stuff and go, "Oh yeah, I've seen Mike Waringo do this." You right. Know? It's just like he he's done this. He did this in you know in the and then was it late nineties late nineties two thousand yeah and uh, two thousand one two thousand one mm-hmm. and uh, those were I mean it was a big it looked like Superman I mean it's just like he was working on books that you're looking at it's like yeah he's the perfect guy for this it was like the old Fleischer Superman cartoons in right? a way it was Superman a big yeah, yeah like this guy right yeah, like that is how Superman was a big muscular Superman but he looked friendly he was just it was there was nothing scary about the guy and he fought big it was and it wasn't the it's not the ripped yeah it's not the ripped super it's like yeah, the no, big yeah. guy the contour it's like it's the, like the Fleischer just it's, the, yeah. it's the dad Superman yeah. right it's yeah. the like how people sort of imagine like like your dad's strong but you don't wash your clothes on your dad's stomach yeah but he's like I'll show up and I'll fuck shit up because that's what I do. If I may, boys, that the irony is though that his art didn't fit the story because that was a heavy story. That was during yeah. our worlds at war, right? Yeah. And he inadvertently kind of stepped into the nine eleven uh, world right. because remember that cover that came yep. out that week of nine eleven, right? There was before, the yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, he had worked Mike, on it before. Yeah, obviously, Mike drew it months before, but it right. was uh, it was the Lex towers, the Luther, the LexCorp towers coming down right. in our worlds of war, and obviously, everyone made the correlation to nine eleven, and you know, it was something that I know he was embarrassed by. Right, that came up in our conversation, and I, and also just again, it was a story that was ill suited because you, you're right, he, he had the happy Superman, yeah, but it was during our worlds of war, which was not a happy time. Yeah, when you see Mike's ladies Superman, and gentlemen, you yeah, see the him. ghost of John yeah, Suntress, yeah. by the way. When you when you see Mike Superman, all all I could think about was the old Fleischer cartoons of yeah. flying in yeah. the big I'm gonna go robot fight a fucking and, robot, and, and I'm, I'm gonna find a robot and then the scientist that yeah. is inside pulling the little 1950 yeah. style levers. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, Superman. We've got a uh, a few forum posts. We want to go over some of those. Sure. Uh, we, we were done. We didn't get to his fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Four. Oh, fan- yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay, okay, fantastic four. I, that's, yeah. I was chomping at the bit. <laughs> that's that's what he went on next. I loved fantastic. his way. And how long was? Because there was there was the weird bump in the road where he was on there for a while, and I can't recall how long it was. But there was that he was weird. On there, fairly good clip, and then he was gone. Couple because of years, of the like whole two, it wasn't even. I, I thought it was within the first two arcs, or only after the first two arcs, where, where all of a Wade left. Well, he, they were on it for a total of over. Right. Like they were on it. Oh for yeah, like ultimately, two, yeah. yeah, it was like ultimately. They got two the years. bump after like the second arc. Jemis Jemis got it into his head that he wanted the story idea that right. the Fantastic Four 
would be poor. Poor and, and, yeah. and, and, and take Wade's it to that like, real place. And Wade's like, that makes no sense. Reed Richards is a genius. And right. You don't want to have that kind of silly comic book argument, but, I mean, it doesn't really make sense. Right. So instead of, you know, capitulating... Uh, well, I guess Wade tried to work it in a little bit, but not to Jemis's satisfaction. He said, "All right, we're going to go another way," and they were dismissed. Well, no, Wade was dismissed, was, yeah, and Mike and left. Be, Mike left that was to, the support Wade. Right, Wade. to support Wade. Yes. Yeah, that was the coolest thing because I mean, people don't, don't really yeah. hear about that. Yep. Yeah. and yep. people don't understand that as a freelance artist, this was pre-exclusive. Yeah. Right, the exclusives didn't exist at this time. For Mike, as a freelance artist, to walk away from his job. I mean, or, and, and you know, say I'm going to walk away. Yeah, if he walks. Away. I'm going to walk away and follow him to, out of you know protest and and loyalty to uh, my beliefs. I mean, we've talked a lot tonight about what Mike thought about comics, and like Mike uh, Norton just said, <clears throat> you forget that that happened, and he walked away because of his beliefs and what his friend believed and what he believed, and uh, it's a scary thing to walk away from your living yeah. uh, because the. We all know the comic book industry is not a thriving situation. Well, There's not a guarantee I mean, you're going to go grab something else. For you know, and you know, for the uh, how long did they spend on total? Eventually, like two years. Yeah, it was around two years. Around they were two years, gone eventually. for almost like eight months or yeah. something like that. And then they came back, mm-hmm. and I love because of fans. Yeah, because. Exactly. Because let me, it, yeah, yeah, let me I think there were moments where the yeah. internet was There was something I wanted to read know, here yeah, again about this point. Uh, he said, uh, the then publisher at Marvel, Bill Jameis, uh, decided that he wanted another direction for the FF book, even though what Mark Wade was doing was very popular. Mark had no interest in that, so Jameis decided he'd remove him from the title and install a writer that he'd found from the theater biz to take over. I read the first script and had no interest in this new direction. It just didn't make any sense, so I decided to leave the book as well as a way of supporting Mark, uh, really. I I started talking to the folks at DC about working with Mark on the Legion of Superheroes title he was going to start writing, but they were reticent to offer me a contract, which is what I wanted. By the time they finally came through with a contract offer, I had committed to uh, FF editor Tom Brevert that I'd draw two transition issues of FF written by someone other than Mark for the new writer as a bridge to the new direction. That kind of uh, soured the folks at DC on me, so they pulled the contract. They didn't want me to do those two issues, but I'd promised Tom I would, and I didn't want to break a promise. Fortunately, Marvel made up the loss of the contract at DC by offering me one with them. In the meantime, Jameis changed his plans and decided to launch his, his FF idea as a totally new book, and Mark was reinstated as writer on the main FF comic. And so we were back to work with, uh, with a several-month blip for me, but Mark never lost a step in the whole debacle. So yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that it was it, he didn't have any contract. He didn't have you know didn't know what was coming next, but because he didn't believe in what they were doing, he was right. willing to walk away from it. And, and luckily, it worked out that you know right. he was able to come back. To but it. I think I mean that 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 for Mike played a part in, in in losing some of the the faith you have in. Uh, we, we all talk about on the professional side that a little bit of your bubble gets burst from time to time. Yeah. But that is that played it was, a little well, bit of a role in in going. That had to hurt a little bit, only because also it, it wasn't like people liked what was going on. Yeah. It was like people such a what was going yeah. On. It was such like a kick in the balls because it was like yeah. this guy decides he doesn't. Now, this let's, guy who let's change for the sake of change. <laughs> well, yeah. they chose they chose that team of Wade and Rainbow yeah. and and had a nine cent introductory issue because it was like no, this is going to bring the FF to where they they should be. Right. And if you see the 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 films. It really is the template of what they wanted in the films. It was the family, and right. it was the importance of the family. And one of the best stories of the run, to me, was when the thing died, 
and yeah. uh, they yeah. stormed heaven. Yeah. Like and it was just story. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful I love, story. Yeah, and, and that is an ami- I love that story. That's one of my favorite. That's the one where Kirby's God. Right. right. They, yeah. go, they find the creator, and it yeah. turns out that it's Kirby's uh, you know workshop where he was drawing and stuff. And there are yeah. wonderful pictures that that Mike got of Kirby's uh, studio right. to to make it as authentic as possible. Yeah. Um, th- I mean, that was pretty much the bulk of his work and everything, but. Um, they went on to uh, Spider-Man again. Yeah, so sensationally. Did, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Friendly neighborhood, actually. Friendly, uh, friendly neighborhood, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but I just wanted to read this last part of this interview with him. Uh, it said, uh, it was, he was asked, any final thoughts? He said, well, I suppose I'd end with the thought that I wish the industry and its fan base would be a bit more willing to embrace more diversity in both subject matter, genre, as well as art styles. I'm a huge fan of the European comics market where it seems like anything and everything goes. There are folks with very cartoony, slash animated styles that work on serious dark material. There's a huge market there for comedy and humor material. There's a huge market for fantasy and science fiction. You know as well as I do from our trip to France back in 1999 or was it 2000, how amazing and pervasive the comics industry is over there. I suppose it's a form of envy but I really wish we had more of a taste of what they have there over here in the States. Good stories are good stories, and good art is good art. I think there's room for everything and enjoyment to be had for all in diversity. Long underwear shouldn't necessarily be king. And he's, it's right. I mean, I, I, you know what? I don't think the, I think that, that sums, yeah, up, that sums everything up. Sums talking up about. We had some great forum posts, yeah. but I think that is a, a great yeah. place to stop. Um, we do want to thank everybody for yeah. that, that did write yeah. in. Yeah, and, and, and go ch- check out the forum from this week. We had we had some really well thought, very sincere posts from people that uh, really just their remembrances of his work and what it meant to them as comic fans and, and just the joy that, that his art brought to a lot of people so um, if you're interested go to the forum and check that out it's definitely uh, worthwhile uh, some some fellow uh, artists I know uh, Mike Jumbluth uh, who's taken a lot of inspiration from him ha- had a nice post there and uh, and some other folks yeah there was a, there was just a ton of people and and uh, on forums everywhere and and just about every everyone who said anything about the guy it, it's been a lot of what we've been talking about right. just you know how much he's meant to people whether they knew him or didn't uh, you know, just from a fan perspective, I, I mean, he obviously meant a lot to a lot of different people, and and uh, will certainly uh, be missed for a long time. So. We'll miss you, buddy. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, and wrap this episode up. All right. Um, see you later. <laughs> Oh, let's um, uh, come back on Thursday for uh, another another regular episode of Around Comics. We're going to have a, a nice chat with uh, with Greg Rucka, and uh, we'll get back on to our regular shows at that point. Uh, but until then, I uh, just want to wish everyone a, a good week, and uh, we'll be back then. Uh, Sal, Scotty, uh, Tom, Mike, and uh, Mr. Suntress, everyone, thank you very much. Uh, have a great week, and uh, and we'll see you on Thursday. Yep. Thank you. Bye. If you would like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com or visit the Contact Us section of our website. 
Music for the show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Music.podshow.com. Views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and do not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next time, and the panel will change, but our mission will stay the same, bringing you the very best news, reviews, and opinions in and around comics. Around Comics is a Pipe Dream production. Copyright 2007. All rights reserved. Yeah.